Amen. I hope that will be true for us today that we would give him all of our worship that we would give him all of our praise. Um, man, it's just so many things that, that vie for our attention these days and we tend to get wrapped up in what's going on and what's not going on and, and we forget who we are, who, who sent us here and sent us here for what? What is our goal? What is our purpose? What is our aim? We forget that the God of the universe spoke and the universe leapt into existence that he, he knitted us together in our mother's womb. And so this is good to have a reminder for us today as to why we're here and we are here to give him our praise. If you would turn with me in your copy of God's Word, we'll continue in our series in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, we're on the, the tail end of the book of Nehemiah. We'll be looking at uh, chapters at a, at a high level, chapters 11 and 12. But prior to that, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, been being away and, and uh, being under the weather for the past couple of weeks, I, I, I want to uh, give thanks to Pastor uh, Joe who came and, and just delivered the word for us. And I'm just so appreciative to him personally and his wife for coming and joining us and, and delivering God's word in my stead. Uh, I think he did a phenomenal job and I hope that you guys were blessed by him as much as, as I was. Uh, and I, I want to highlight, you know, uh, he is part of the Illinois Baptist State Association. And so each month we give a portion of our offering to the Illinois Baptist State Association. This is one of the great things about being Southern Baptist that we have uh, cooperation, what we call a cooperative program that uh, funds you know, people like Pastor Callow to, to come in and, and worship with us and to be able to stand in, but not just that, but to offer training, offer support. You know, as a pastor, I have other pastors that I can go to and ask questions of or being trained or, man, maybe sometimes I just need to gripe and I got people to call, right, and to, to come and encourage me and lift me up. And so just know that uh, part of your offering goes to support that and um, this is just helping to make the local church that much stronger. But we have the Illinois Baptist State Association as well as the Three Rivers Association. Most of you know Dr. Dan, who um, he had traveled to Canada this week. If you would be praying for him uh, to, to, to attend a funeral of, of one of his friends that you know planted the church with him while they were in Canada. But um, we have so much love and support not only in our local uh, area here in Bolingbrook, but also throughout Illinois and the rest of the convention. So I'm just so appreciative that I was able to, you know, take some rest and, and get better so I can be back here. I was anxious to get back in the pulpit, man. It's just weird not being able to stand before you and to proclaim God's word. But I do want to thank you all for your, your calls and emails and texts and things of that nature. I apologize if I didn't return them because you probably didn't want me to cough in your ear trying to say thank you or, you know, to check in. But I, I, I got all those messages and I appreciate each and every one of you. You know, uh, with this congregation here, uh, you are all on, on my personal list. I go through on a daily basis and I'm praying for each of you in the congregation by name. I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your families. 
because I love you so dearly. You guys are, are a part of a family. When I, when, I, when I talk about us being brothers and sisters, I, I don't use that as hyperbole. This is something that I truly and honestly believe. We are grafted into God's family, and it's by the blood of Jesus that we're brought together as a family of believers. And I love each of you so dearly that I go through my list on a daily basis, and I'm praying fervently for each and every one of you, that you would know and that you would be following Christ with everything and all of your being, that we would keep the devil at bay. But when things come into your life and, and try to thwart anything that you're trying to do in the name of Jesus, that, that uh, you would be able to bind the evil one and be able to go about your way and, and, and do what it takes to build the kingdom. I am always fervently on my knees thinking about you, picturing your face in my head, and, and taking you to the throne of grace. Amen. That's my job here as, as your pastor. And even though I don't get to talk to you all the time on a regular basis, or you might see me running around here on a Sunday morning, I don't get to say, hello, I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize, but no, during the week, I'm spending that time lifting you up, lifting you up to God. You're on my list. Um, you know, daily, and I hope that I hope that I'm on your list too. That you're praying for me, because man, it's it's not easy sometimes to be a pastor. So I appreciate um, all of you thinking about me, and I'm, I return all those things. The interesting thing about uh, the church and the body of Christ is God is is building up His church, and and it's made up of seemingly insignificant people who have normal lives and normal problems. I love the way God has brought his people together and just just regular old folks doing regular old things, but he, he chooses each and every one of us to do what he's called us to do to, in order to build his kingdom. We see this from the Old Testament to the New, where we have God working to build his church and, and doing uh, so with these these seemingly insignificant people who have just normal lives. And this is what we see in our text this morning. It's filled with lists of people who, who don't mean anything to us, that we, we can't even pronounce most of these names, but they are meaningful to God. These people that we read about here today are on God's list, and they are important to the Father. Look with me in, in Nehemiah 11, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in their other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. It goes on then to talk about the, the, the families, the, the tribes, and all the names of the people who are moving into Jerusalem. These are children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, down to six or seven generations. To, to bring you up to speed, uh, Nehemiah had gone, uh, the, the walls in the city of Jerusalem were in, in dire shambles, 
Nehemiah comes in, he has a burden for his hometown, his, his home people, and he goes in, it's like, I gotta do something. We just can't allow God's city to be in shambles the way it is. I need to go. And he asked permission of, of the king uh, in Persia to, to go. And like, I got to take care of my people. And he goes in. He, he recruits others to come in and rebuilds the foundation, the walls, the security of this place. And now once they've done it, and we can see God work all throughout this with people coming against them. They didn't want the walls to be built up. They didn't want people living there. They didn't want any of this stuff to happen. But this, they said, this is God's city. We just can't let this be so. Once they built up the walls and they realized Hey, these people, their spiritual walls are down too. These, these people are, are, are so far gone. They forgot who God is. They forgot what God has done in the past. We need to remind them about who God is and who they are in the kingdom as well. And so this is where we, where we are. And so now we're rebuilding the city. They, they've got everything shaped up. They, they've done all the restoration that needs. But somebody's got to live here. Somebody's got to be here in order to keep things going. And so this is where we, we pick up and we have these people uh, volunteering, putting their hands up and say, okay, I'll go. We see one out of 10 people are coming in to uh, live in the city. And, and chapters 11 to 12 are, are pretty tough. You know, if you were to read through it, and I imagine if you, maybe you're a little bit like me, maybe you just want to skip through, like I, I can't pronounce all these names. I mean, <laughs> I just, I'm just going to go to the next chapter. I mean, yeah, I understand. I've been there. I understand. But, but these are filled with tons of names of people who are going to go back and repopulate Jerusalem. And, and while reading through these names of the, the families and the tribes that are, are, are represented here, it's hard to miss the, the diversity. It's hard to miss all the, the names that are being listed here. There's Israelites, we've got priests, we've got Levites, we've got people from Judah, from Benjamin, from all various towns and other places. And like many list of names, most of us would probably just go through and see if our name was listed there. Where's, where's Sanders? Let's see, where's my people, are my people here? You know, we will go through and kind of look to see if our name was listed. Otherwise, we wouldn't have much interest. You know, like, what's in it for me? Are my people here? Am, am I represented here? What does this actually mean? But we need to remember that these were actual people. These were real life human beings that were living at that time that Nehemiah is talking about. Nehemiah love these people and he was grateful for them just like I expressed how much I love you and how much I'm grateful for you these were real people in Nehemiah's life and he's like these people they're they're making the ultimate sacrifice to come and live and rebuild this city not only were these people important to Nehemiah but they were important to God just as you and I are important to God how cool would it be to read this list of names and actually see your name there? How cool would that be to, to pick up the scripture? I bet you pay more attention to it, wouldn't you? You pick up scripture, you start reading like, oh, oh, oh wow. Look, there's, there's worth. There, there's the voices. 
The McKinley's, the Santoyos. Wow, wouldn't that be something? To go through it and read and be able to see our family names there. Each of you, just like the names that we read in this text this morning, have a place and importance in God's word. We are important to God and what he's doing. In fact, Jesus talked that God knows the, the numbers of the hairs on our head. He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground, but your value is so much greater than a flock of birds. You are so much more valuable to God in his kingdom. God cares for each individual and knows each of us by name. Can you imagine? I mean, this church is not very large, so it's not very hard for me to know and remember each of you by name. But if you talk about the span of the universe and all those people who have been here and have yet to be, God knows each and every person by name and he cares for them. And it's in him that we find our fullness. You see here in, in chapters 11 and 12, Nehemiah is working to repopulate this city of Jerusalem. And at the moment, only 10% of the population lived in the city, um, which was enough at the time to sustain it at the time. And it was important for the exiles to return because God had made a promise that his name would dwell in this very city. If you remember back to Nehemiah 1 and 9, it says, If you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of the heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. A few weeks ago, we talked about people making a covenant to be godly a community and be separated from the practices of the world around them. It was a reminder for us that, that we need to recommit ourselves just like they did. They were so fervent. They understood how far they had drifted and, and they went through and like, this cannot happen anymore. I can't do this to myself anymore. God has been too good to me for me not to commit myself back to him. I would not be here today if God wasn't there for me all these years. They realized what was going on and they said, here's what we're going to do. Forget all the, the crazy stuff that we've done in the past. Forget all we tried to find our own way. We're going to get back to what's important. And we're going to follow God. We're going to do what he called us to do. And they recommitted themselves to him. What a reminder that is for us, how far we ourselves have gone astray, how we've let the world seep in and tell us how it is that we should be acting, that tell us the things that we ought to be doing that is diametrically opposed to what we see in the Bible. We need a reminder of who we are and where we come from. We need a reminder of what God's word has said, who God is and what his character is like and who he's called you to be. We can't let the world tell us that we have our own choice and you can choose who you want to be. That, that your identity is found in anything other than Christ. We need this reminder here today. We need to recommit ourselves to him 
and what he's done. When we look at the scripture, we realize that 10% of these people that they're moving, they're coming in, this was an act of faith. They had just rebuilt the city. They had just gone through all these different things, people trying to stop them and, 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 and cause war and everything else. They're like, well, I'm going to leave my cozy home with my nice family, my cool job. And you want me to move back to this city who has been in ruins for years that nobody's cared about? But they remember, this, this is the least I can do. This is the very least that I can do because of what God has done for me. God already promised that his name would be great. His name would dwell in the city. What do I got to lose? Huh? What do I have to lose? This demonstrated the willingness to belong to something that is greater than oneself and to create a future that will outshine anything that they had seen up to that point. They were willing to put their faith in what was yet to come. God's people are often asked to sacrifice a great deal in order to be faithful to the Lord. These people who volunteer to live, they put God's program over their individual desires. It's the least that they could do. The, the more devoted to God and, and to worship than uh, they were uh, their own lives and their own concerns. They're like, this is much more important than anything else that I got going on. I got to do this. They were pursuing God's kingdom and the worship of God in Jerusalem instead of their own prosperity and their, even their own safety at the time. That's what it was worth to them. It was worth everything. This makes me wonder, what are we willing to sacrifice? What are we really willing to do right here, right now, in our everyday lives because of who God is? What, what comfort are we willing to sacrifice because of the comfort that our Lord and Savior sacrificed for us? What are we willing to do that nobody else wants to do in order to pursue God and his kingdom. What are you willing to do? How are you willing to live because of who God is? I, I wanna recognize some people today, some people that I think exemplify much of this. You know, this is a, a small church and we, we, we try to be as faithful as we can with what God has given us and he's blessed us so much you know I, you know, I could talk the rest of the, the, the day about how good God has been not just to me but this church to, to be able to be here for 55 years I haven't been on the earth, on the earth this long but, but, but God has been here and sustaining this church Time and time again, when we didn't know what we were going to do, which way we were going to turn, God has always been there. And it's amazing to me. We built this, this wing on the east side of the church for a, a, a school. 
And when it was built, there was no school. But, but we had a pastor who was faithful and, he, and he, he knew God was going to use us for more. And years and years later, look, look what we got over there. This Christian Montessori school. It took, it took some time, it took some years for it to come true, but God is faithful. And I could talk about the, the sinkhole we had in our parking lot, man. I was like, this is it. I don't know what we're going to do. This is a sinkhole. We're not going to have a parking lot. We're not going to have a church. We're going to close our doors. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to get out, uh, uh, go to the high school or meet in people's homes. I don't know what's going to happen, but Lord, this is yours. You were in control. The Lord shows up and village comes and fills in the, the sinkhole and we repave the parking lot. I'm like, Lord, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Because he is faithful. I'm like, I don't, hey, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know you're going to do something. And he shows up time and time again. You know, this is my first pastorate, and I've been blessed to be here and to, to shepherd you for the past four years. Um, you know, I, I haven't uh, had the opportunity to go to seminary, but I read voraciously and, and, and I study and I pray and, and do all that I can and, and talk to others. And I have people that I go to, like I mentioned earlier, to, to, to walk me through, like, how does this look? How am I supposed to do this and handle these situations? And then we have this pandemic come up. That's, that's not in the book. You know, there's no instructions on how you lead a church through a pandemic. I'm talking to seasoned pastors, you know, 10, 50 years and all these different things. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. But here we are. Our numbers might not as be as big as what they used to be. We were on the upswing and I was really excited that we get hit with this pandemic and going on. But praise God for your faithfulness. I praise God for each and every one of you. And it, it takes so many people to make sure that we can come here to worship and to give God the honor that he rightly deserves. You know, for us to have a worship team to come up and to, to be able to lead us through singing and our worship and praise to God. I'm so grateful to the worship team to come to come up and do that week upon week without without complaint by the way they they come up and they handle it sometimes when they take a break and we we make do but uh thank you for Chrissy and Matthew Jemiah Acacia Vic thank you so much I appreciate you greatly I mean there were some times when we we were really on the struggle bus and you know, praying, playing some tracks, and we do that every on, on occasion when we need to. But to have people that love the Lord and come and want to help us to usher in to worship, I'm so grateful and appreciative. Um, we talk about our, our trustees and, and and Robin and Marisol. You know, the the things that we have to do with the building and contracts and all those things that take place, the stuff that happens behind the scenes that nobody knows about. Those folks are going and wringing hands and, and don't know what's going to happen. But I'm so grateful that I can rely 
on those folks to, to be able to do those things when we had to get the, the roof taken care of and uh, the lawn care and uh, the snow removal and these things that we can't take I'll tell you what you come and it's been a snowstorm and you got three feet of snow and you can't get in then you think about it the grass is not cut or you, you know, holes in all these kind of things our trustees are then faithful to take care of those things um, our sound and, and technology. Again, another thing that you wouldn't notice until you ain't got it, like our, our projector. They're, they're handling that and we're making do with this here, but you know, Vic and, and Libby, Kiera, uh, Godfrey, thank you so much for just coming and, and doing the, the thankless job where you just sit in the back, you, you manage the sound, you manage the technology, uh, thank you so much for, for doing that for us because it matters to the kingdom. It's not insignificant to God what you guys are doing from a week-to-week -week basis. And it, it clears some of the distractions for us so that we can just worship. That's how important it is. When we think about this church, 50-plus-year-old building that we have with multiple additions held together with duct tape and bubble gum. It is amazing that we're able to come here on a Sunday morning and have other events. I'm so grateful for, for Tim Shostall. He has community service people come in and, and help. Vic comes in and, and he takes care of things. There were guys here yesterday stripping and waxing the floors. And man, I, I am so grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. These things that, again, go unseen, go unnoticed. But those folks are here. They are committed to, to God's church. And they don't do it for the attaboys or the good job or put up on a pedestal. They are doing it because it's the least that they can do. That's the least that they can do for God and his church. And probably most of you wouldn't come if it wasn't clean. But we have very few who take that responsibility to heart. Angela White has been just, talk about faithful. She comes in by herself and stays for hours cleaning and scrubbing and vacuuming. But she loves to clean. Praise God for somebody who <laughs> loves to clean. I am so grateful for her to come in and again no no attaboy she's like I'm coming to do it this is what I love to do to move the vacuum and the dust and do all that kind of stuff man it's so grateful and not just her you know that the voices come in and McKinley's and others come in and, and, and pitch in and help with with those things as well oh man like I said you would notice you come in here you got you know tissue on the floor and uh, thick dust on the fuse. I mean, you, you would load us like, well, how come ain't nobody doing something about this? <laughs> Praise God for Angela. Nancy Maverick, I mean, you're the backbone of this church. You've been here forever and ever. And we're so grateful for you and all the things you talk about, stuff we don't even know happens as, you know, not only as secretary, but uh, has long been doing uh, fellowships here in the uh, women's uh, group and, and things of that nature, all those things that uh, she, she comes and does tirelessly without, again, the pat on the back or the attaboy, but 
uh, God is, I'm sure he's, he's so happy for the way that, that you come and give of yourself selflessly and take care of things that need to be taken care of. And, and, and as pastors, it's, it's, it's cool to be able to not to worry about some things that, that come up um, and that, that just get handled. Thank you. Uh, David Applington, uh, newer to our congregation, but man, you have made uh, a huge impact, brother. And I want you to know that it has not gone unnoticed. Yeah, there was uh, some requests after the pandemic. So during the pandemic, we didn't have coffee. We'd, we'd gone away from a lot of that stuff. And, uh, you know, somebody said, hey, what happened to the coffee? <laughs> and hey, it's time to bring the coffee back. I missed the coffee. And I said, well, tell you what. If you all want coffee, then we'll have to find somebody who will come and handle it, take care of it, make sure it's done well, done, done right, done, done safely. Uh, David steps up and he takes care of it. He comes in like, hey, 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 we need more coffee over here. I ran out of coffee. I don't want people coming to me and yelling at me. Thank you, brother. I mean, again, this is not insignificant. But people, when I come in and I see people congregated uh, together and they're having coffee with one another and fellowshipping, that warms my heart. When we're taking the time to, to be with one another and love on one another, and, and it's just so great. It's not insignificant what you're doing. And, and he does more than that, Dave does. I know you were here yesterday helping with the, the floors and you do so much more that other people don't know about. But I am so grateful for you, brother, and what you've done, and again, how you've done it selflessly. You know, a man that comes in is like, this is what God has done for me. This is the least that I can do for him. You know, I, I could be here for the rest of this today because there's so many things that go on in this church that I am personally grateful for. And I know there's others that do a ton of things that happen around here without me even knowing about it. And I'm grateful for that because I can't get mired down in everything that happens within the church, but I'm grateful for you if you come in and you see something that needs to be done and you take care of it. Not, not for me, but for God to be a good steward of what God has given to us. So I'm sorry if I didn't call you by name. I, I apologize. There's a saying that goes, charge it to my head and not my heart because I love each of you very dearly. And I may not always do a good job of giving recognition, but I assure you, whether I know about it or not, I guarantee that God knows. I guarantee that God sees every little thing. The thing that you think is little, I guarantee God sees it and waiting to see you face to face to say, well done good and faithful servant. Your diligence and your faithfulness does not go unnoticed by your Heavenly Father. And all who voluntarily do these unglamorous things will certainly receive your reward in heaven. I know that to be true. That's what Scripture tells us. You all are such a blessing to me personally, but more importantly, you're a blessing to the kingdom. What you do matters, and it matters immensely. And it's a great example of what it looks like to be Christ-like. For us to live like Christ lived, 
to give sacrificially. I love that we have those examples here in this church. When we look to Christ, we see a supreme example of the one that left everything. He left all the, the comfort that there, there is, and he came down and he put on flesh to live a life that none of us could live. You talk about sacrificial and what that looks like. We have that great example in our Savior. And I'm grateful for, for that as well. Not only was it not pleasant or exciting, but he got crucified for it. You know, when he should have been held in high regard, he got spit on, he got mocked, and put on a cross for it. For us as Christian, as Christians, if following him means that we lay down our own lives for the benefit of others, just like he did. That's what it means to look like Christ and to follow him, that we be more like him. This is the benefit of being part of the local church. That we would be able to bond together and, and support one another, encourage one another, and love on one another. We are with others that strive to be more like Christ. And I'm so grateful for First Baptist Bolingbrook, but I say we can do more. As much as I love all the things that we just talked about, and, I, and I'm so grateful, I don't want to diminish any of that stuff, but we can do more. Each and every one of us can do more. First Thessalonians 4 and 10 says, For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, but we urge you, brothers, to this, to do this more and more. You know, I'm sure Angela would love some help cleaning. I'm sure she would love for some more folks to, to get their hands dirty and make sure that, that we can come into a clean sanctuary and church to be able to utilize it. We can use more people in the back in the booth for sound and to, to hit the slides and other technology things that are going on. Tim would be excited to have more hands helping out with repairs. You know, there's something called the Pareto Principle. Most of you know it as the 80-20 rule, but it's also uh, the law of vital few. This, um, this seems to be an effect in any and every organization, this 80-20 rule, and it states that uh, roughly 80% of the outcome is uh, taking place and done by 20% of the people. Say that again, this 80-20 rule means that 80% of the output is done by 20% of the input. That's something. Imagine if that wasn't the case with God's people. Imagine if the 80-20 rule didn't apply to, to God's church. Uh, imagine what could be done in the kingdom even if we just had 50% of the congregation who stepped up to take care of those things. Imagine 
what that looked like. Imagine what we would be able to do for the kingdom if even 30%, I'll take 35. Imagine what that would look like. In our text this morning, these people set aside their own desires for God desires. And you know what? They were called in 11 and 6 in the text this morning. They were called valiant men for stepping up. They were called men of valor in 11 and 8. They were called mighty men of valor in 11 and 14. It took courage for them to choose to stay in Jerusalem. And that was uh, a, a valiant for them to do. And that's why we have their names emblazoned in the text for us to be reading here today about their own sacrifice. Man, what it would look like for our names to be listed and emblazoned because of our sacrifices and what we've done. Do you want to be valiant? No. If you want to be valiant, live for God. If you want to be valiant, live out the truth of Scripture. Act like you believe the things that you read in the text. If you want to be valiant, lay down your life for the things that you read about and the people that God has surrounded you with. If you want to be valiant, live for what matters most, even if it costs you your life or your comfort. That's what it takes. God's encounter with us is that he mercifully delivers people who are on the path to destruction and he puts us on the path that leads to life. That's crazy to me. That choosing on my own, I would choose hell and damnation, but God, in his mercy, he's like, no, son, you belong to me. He picks us up and puts us on the right path because he loves us that much. It's unbelievable to me. My question for you today, this morning is, what list are you on? What list are you on? Are you worshiping the one true living God? Have you trusted in Christ? Are you a member of a local church? Is your name listed in the book of life? To be with our Savior for forever and eternity. If you're a member of a local church because you've put your trust in Christ and have been baptized as, as a public witness to, to that reality and have committed yourself to following him, that's the path that we need to be on. However, if you've not trusted in Jesus, you're not a member of a local church, I want you to consider the outcome of your life. I want you to consider where you are Today, You have the opportunity to make that decision for your life right now. 
what list are you going to be on? You can receive him and trust him and follow him, and he will save you. Romans 10 and 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God chose Abraham, a man with no children, who wanted to bless the world through, and he wanted to give uh, various descendants. And when Abraham's descendants had multiplied, they were slaves in Egypt. Think about that. God chose people who were slaves. God chose people who were in bondage. His people would be led by Moses, who would uh, have been shepherded, uh, been a shepherd in the wilderness for 40 years. And after that, God chose a young shepherd named David to be king. God later chose Ezra and Nehemiah, and even though they had some pull with the Persian Empire, they were still challenged in various ways. But God even chose people like us here in Bolingbrook to manifest his glory and advance his clean kingdom. He chose us. Isn't it something to know that if you follow Christ, your name is written in the book of life? If you would repent and believe in Christ as your Savior, your name is written there in the book of the Lamb and will not be erased. No one can take your name from it. You will always be there. And I pray that each of you would embrace what God has done as well as the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. What list are you on? What are you willing to submit to him? Are you willing to risk your comfort? Are you willing to wish to get your hands dirty because of what God has done for you? I want you to ponder that as we pray right now. Gracious Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you for the example that we have here today of the people that have come and risk everything that they had, the things that they, they, they will bring them worldly success, all to follow you, all to be in the place where you called them to be. Father, help us to have that same spirit that we would look to you and submit our lives to you in such a way that we would give our all to you, that we would come and to do uh, any and everything that you've, you've asked us to, that we would uh, come and give some of our time to worship you through uh, cleaning up of your church or to, to help with the upkeep or anything that there might be needed to be done so that people might be able to hear the good news. Help us to put all those things to the side and remember what you've done for us and realize that it's the least that we can do in order to serve you. Father, I thank you so much for loving us in this, this very special way. All the things that you've done over the course of our lives, the things that you've done for this very church, I want to thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.